Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but just call me Rachel. This podcast is the place to learn about really feeling our emotions, mastering the mind, being aware of our energy, and tuning into our own intuition for the purpose of living in love, bliss, freedom, health, peace, and what I call our godly potential. And I would love to stay connected with you. If you want updates about Rev with Rachel and living a Rev life, please go to RevWithRachel.com and enter your email address and name. And you can also like Rev Life on Facebook. Today's episode is Mind, Consciousness, and Thought with Craig Pulfus. Welcome, Craig. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's wonderful to connect with you. I wanted to have you on because you um, speak on this topic of the three principles, which we'll dive into. Um, but I first, you had, I learned about that from you and I had heard about that in other places, but the, the way you presented it one time in a meetup was just really beautiful and enlightening. And I really had this appreciation for something you tapped into and shared you. It helped me hear this for myself in a new way. And it was that there is nothing wrong with you. You said that and it peeled off another layer of that um, deep human wound that most of us have, that there's somehow something wrong with us. And um, it was very transforming. But I've been with you in other contexts and places, and I always have appreciated your leadership and, um, and what, you, what you bring. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's touching. Yeah, and so I would love for you to start with how you came to this concept of the three principles, mind, consciousness, and thought. And I know there's a lot here in this question, but how it, how it transformed things and, and shifted how you do practice, you know, having been, a, a, and you are a psychotherapist, but how it has shifted things and how you work with people. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume since I, to the, because of, my sense of how I know you, Rachel, and your audience. I'm going to assume your audience is very open-minded, growth-oriented, evolution, awakening, and spiritually minded. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I'm going to respond on that level rather than, you know, I met this person and then this happened. The way I came to this, and this is really a nutshell because I, I honestly, I love to tell this story because I'm so grateful to have experienced it, but I came to a point in my life where I had an awakening. I was 28 years old and through other means that are not the topic of today, um, I awakened and my whole consciousness kind of turned inside out and therefore my experience and understanding of life turned inside out. So that brought me into a realm of the word I'm using these days that I like is singularity. And the singular purpose, I guess, is a way to say it, because bringing this down into language isn't always easy, um, was to just serve, just love and serve from that point on 
particularly around these kind of experiences and awakenings and understandings that can help individuals profoundly and then help lead to a global awakening. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, in one sense, my search was over. I found my complete, my completeness. And in one sense, I didn't need to do anything, but in another sense, I needed to live to the fullest and serve. So now I needed life, the universe, to show me, do I stay in the field of psychology and therapy that I was always in, already in? Because do, doing therapy the way I was trained could have some value, but it was turned on its head now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started to change the way I worked with people, but I had this question in the back of my mind for this probably went on for oh, a year, 18 months or so of, do I even stay in the field? Because if the people who taught me in college and the people who licensed me could see me, they're likely to not understand and call me a fraud. And you know, <laughs> yet I was getting, my clients were having amazing experiences and changing and all that. And, and so the way it works with, call it synchronicity or whatever, um, the universe sent me the three principles mm-hmm. um, in a kind of, I, w- I wish I had the time really to, to tell the story, but basically someone overheard me making a comment that apparently uh, uh, offered this perspective that comes when you're, you're seeing things this new way. And he came over immediately and he said, are you, are you into this new psychology? And I, and I said, what new psychology? And so he got all insistent that I check this out. Well, it turns out I end up being one of the maybe 25 first psychologists in the world to find out about this. Mm-hmm. And it immediately resonated with me. And when I heard it, I knew oh, I'm staying in the field. I'm not alone. I'm staying in the field. There are others that have an understanding along these lines. Oh, cool. And and that happened. Let's see. I was 28 when I that. So that was probably two, like when I was 29 or 30, somewhere in there. Um, and once a person understands what these principles are sufficiently they can't go back to the conventional. It's not that the conventional isn't there and doesn't have value, but it's so limited when Mm -hmm. you see um, the distinction between the two. And and maybe I should just go into that distinction now. Is that that okay, Rachel? Yeah. Okay. So just to start off, like the three principles of mind, consciousness, and thought, let me make a distinction right there. We're talking about universal mind and universal consciousness and universal thought. So it takes some discussion to get a sense of, well, what does that really mean, Craig? Versus personal mind, personal consciousness, and personal thought. And though personal mind, consciousness, and thought, each of us has, we're drawing on universal mind, consciousness, and thought to experience, live, and evolve our lives, sculpt our lives. So the more we understand and that personal 
mind, consciousness, and thought is aligned with divine, well, then we're going to be more fully who we really are, feel that and bring that joy and power. And some of the uh, descriptions that, Rachel, you did there at the very beginning about what your podcasts are about and your work is about, like, just totally fit with that. Mm-hmm. You use exactly. words like radiance and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but that fits, right? Yeah. Um, so these principles... Three simple principles, when understood, given enough time to investigate them and get insights, they explain all of human experience, all of human experience. And in so doing, as a person begins to understand their personal human experience, what it's been, what it is, and what it could be, they spontaneously get insights and shift into higher levels of clarity and well-being and awakening and perspective wisdom that organically flows into their life more and they might also then intentionally decide to make you know to make this their career or to use this wisdom to choose a different business partner or different food choice or you know there's all kinds of ways you can use wisdom in your life mm-hmm. so so what I clarify to my clients early, always, I guess, in the first session or even in a phone call before we meet is that I don't do conventional counseling. And most of those clients say, yeah, I've, I've done that. And, and either I haven't gotten benefit or I've gotten some, but I'm obviously I'm looking for something more because I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. And I call that conventional counseling horizontal. It's on a horizontal dimension which is primarily a problem-solving dimension. Uh, We use our rational mind to look at the problems in our life. I'm depressed. I can't keep jobs. I use drugs, whatever it is. And then we understandably use the rational mind to try to analyze those and come up with solutions or harm reduction or whatever it would be and improve our experience of life. And obviously, there's value in that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so limited when you realize, wait a minute, there's another dimension that I'm calling vertical, of course. And that dimension is one of knowing who you are and the perspective on human experience that comes out of that. And the more perspective you have, the more and clarity, the more decisions just are naturally more accurate and effective you know you you're on the main floor of the downtown or the main main street level of downtown and you have to get from one building to another several blocks away that you figured out from that perspective if you can go up you know 10 city blocks up and look down you can go oh i just go there and you can just see how to get there way more easily that's kind of a, a little metaphor for for that experience of getting more perspective and then it becoming easier. And we've all had, I'm sure all your listeners have had experiences like that. So, but the predominant mode of mental energy, so to speak, in the vertical doesn't look like thought. On the horizontal, it looks like thought. You're thinking about it, you're analyzing it. You probably, if it's more traditional counseling, you're going back into your past and what was your childhood like and all that kind of stuff. With this, it's like 
No, the predominant mental energy is insight. But insight, before it pops in and becomes insight, doesn't look like anything. There's no form to it. We, we can make analysis happen and work at it. Insight, you can't make it happen. But it provides such useful, not only insight, but you know when you get insights, you get this great feeling, this energy that comes in and motivates you for, for living and being more of who you can be in your life and in your work. Okay. So... And would you say insight is the same as intuition? Yes. It connects with intuition. It connects with what some people would understand to be called transrational modes of thinking. So intuition, wisdom, that, that direction. So I teach people that, you know, you can't create, everybody knows you can't create uh, insight. And if you try, you get in the way, right? Mm-hmm. It's like trying to go to sleep <laughs> at night because, you know, you, you know, you have a big day the next day and you're all excited. And so you lay down and you try to go to sleep. Well, that makes you stay awake, you know. Mm-hmm. So I say, but we can understand more clearly the conditions in which the mental conditions in which insight happens. So then that's a big part of the discussion in the early sessions, which basically relaxes a person. I take them in the direction where we just get present together. We engineer our time together to optimize your gaining from it. And how do we do that? Well, we just identify your goals. And, and, and we have, I have a process, of course, of setting goals and action steps and all that at the beginning of the process. And then we go into this kind of uh, pre-in-depth process of just setting a foundation of this, setting the goals, and then this understanding, how can we optimize the sessions? And they, they see, oh my gosh, um, I, you mean I can really relax, be present, go <laughs> yeah. with what you're telling me we're going to go with, and I can get insights and my life can change? Okay, and I, yes, and I say just, I know it can sound too simple and magical, but you know, let's just give it an honest try for four or five successions and you'll see. And sure enough, people do. I, I want to share a metaphor um, before I get into the actual three principles more in depth that I sh- often share up front. I share a lot of metaphors and you guys probably do too, those of you who do this kind of work. Um, this is one that some that I particularly like and, and clients seem to particularly like that correlate with this horizontal vertical and the importance of understanding both and operating in both simultaneously, holding two truths that seem very different at the same time without effort and it benefits your whole existence. So here's the metaphor. So there was a time when people on earth thought the earth was flat right? Mm-hmm. And they saw, trusted their senses. They look out and they saw, except for mountains and valleys, it sure looked pretty flat. Then some people came around saying, no, wait, it's round. Some people found that interesting. Some people didn't care. And some people 
were outraged and wanted to kill them because you basically were saying, uh, I'm crazy. I can't trust the reality I see. Mm. And all those responses are, are, are understandable. Um, but then eventually we were shown a different perspective that clarified, oh, I see why it looks flat there, but it's actually round. So now virtually all of us walk around 100% of the time in a 100% flat earth visual reality, physical reality, but we know better. We know it's not flat. We're holding two truths simultaneously. One, the, the round earth is in the back of our minds because we don't need it at the moment. But if we were gonna travel, right? And we had a flat earth uh, view, we'd start to get afraid to travel too far because we'd go off the edge. But now we realize, no, you never go off the edge. It can look like at the horizon there's an edge, but there's no edge. Mm -hmm. So now our, metaphorically, our potential can be expanded to what we can explore and learn and grow and resources we can access and all the possibilities out there that we're innately designed to do, to, to live that way. So the correlate psychologically is the common paradigm in the world today, although it's changing, and especially I'm guessing among your listeners, mm -hmm. is that psychologically, the outside creates our inner experience. That correlates to the earth is flat. That we look out and it's like, well, it's a sunny day. And oh, God, I like that. So I feel nice because it's a sunny day. Or I ate that tasty food. And that made me feel good. And, and you know, uh, you just frowned at me and disagreed with me. Now I feel bad. So we have this outside in perception of experience. But the truth is that it's not true. When we stop and reflect, we begin to realize, wait, there's no experience that I can have without it involving my mind, my consciousness, and the power of thought. Mm -hmm. So where is my experience happening? It looks like it's happening out there and coming at me. When in fact, it's in my mind. I'm not in the world. The world is in me. If I think I'm just a body, well, then it sure looks like I'm in the world. But when I realize I am consciousness itself, and my experience of my body is in my consciousness, now everything starts to turn inside out. When we realize, oh my gosh, I'm the creator of my experience. And I don't mean, we could have a discussion, did I create that car crash I was in? I don't want to go there right now. I mean, so I have a car crash, and now do I experience it as ruining my life? Do I experience it? as an opportunity to learn something and change something. That's what my mind did with it, consciously or not. We're creating our experience as we go. Somewhere in our minds, you and I, Rachel, went to the thought that we'd like to connect and do this. Mm -hmm. And your listeners went to the thought they'd like to listen to your podcast. 
And so here, and then they acted on that, and here they are. They're using thought, creating their reality from the inside out. So that's a shift from, oh my gosh, if the outside, if there's a dualism of outside having power over me, I'm a victim. If I see no weight, I am the creator, whether I'm aware of it yet or not, I'm creating it. I have the power. I'm not a victim. You know, and if you if you were raised in Christianity, you were you were taught, you know, God made you in his image and likeness and gave you dominion. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm talking about it right here, that we are above human experience, transcended to it, that in fact, we are not our experience. Our experience is a creation of our personal mind combined with universal mind. And our personal mind is not fully evolved. So we can make up that, oh, I'm, I'm a loser or I'm mentally ill. But the truth is mental illness does, uh, I either would say does not exist or an experience of it exists in your thinking, but it's not you. You are that which exists before your experience and is witnessing it. And the more we can see that, that now just that concept might be a little helpful, but that's not enough to believe in that or adopt that as a way to think. What works is to actually see it. And that's what I focus on when I do my work, whether it's in therapy or coaching or consulting or whatever, that the more we can see our experience as an object to us as a subject, well, then we realize we're something more than that. And we're not subject. I'm in the theater watching the movie and I can forget I'm in the theater and get so wrapped up in the movie that it feels like I'm in the movie. My heart is beating fast. I'm getting scared. I'm falling in love, whatever. But the truth is I'm just fine. I'm in the theater just fine, but I'm not experiencing it because I forgot. So I need to, so I just kind of tap people on the shoulder and remind them, you know, you're, you're in the theater and that experience on the movie that you're mentally ill or hopeless or this or that, it is what it is, and it's. And I have compassion. It doesn't feel good, but consider, you're not that. I I, uh, I met. Let's see, a few months ago, with a young man, nineteen. Messed up his life with, I mean, gambling and drugs and all this stuff, and was really struggling. Had been through treatment, did a lot of uh, conventional therapy. That got him at least seeking help and trying to abstain but and he came in an unresolved grief he was his brother had died when when he was 12 and he hadn't been able to grieve that and very dysfunctional family and um and somehow in the very first session I was able to have enough rapport with him where about two-thirds of the way through I, I stopped him and I said I want to tell you something and he looked at me and I said and you might react at first, um, but I want to tell you something. Is that okay? And he, of course, he got interested <laughs> and he said, okay, what? And I, and this was not a technique. This was me seeing this and conveying it as a reality in the moment. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, 
there's nothing wrong with you. Your experience is really messed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's really not satisfying, but there's nothing wrong with you. And I started, and I explained this more. And he kind of was, kind of looked at me kind of stunned. Mm-hmm. He came back a week later, had no more uh, urges to gamble or use drugs. Mm. He said, you know, when you said that to me, he said, I felt like I woke up mm. and I, what was it? There was something else with that. That was just like, just like in a click, he kind of saw some truth that to whatever degree he got insight, he was set free. And then he was just really all about meeting with me and, and not so much me, but more of this understanding. And he's continued to uh, do really, really well. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could make that into a technique. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong to you. It's all it's wrong with you. It's just all in your head, but that wouldn't have the impact. Maybe it would help somebody. Maybe it's better than, than, seeing the person as their disorder. No, they're just caught in the creation of their mind, a bad dream, and they're feeling it, and it's real in that sense. But in truth, it doesn't exist. And that's so freeing to see. I'm not saying brain disorders don't exist. I'm not saying physical situations don't exist. But how you experience them and what you do with them comes from within you, in your mind. And so here, here's the spiritual part. I was going to say these three principles are being uh, brought in to people in two primary ways. One is more psychological, which is very useful. And one is more spiritual, and I do both. Um, And the more spiritual, if it's inside out, then when you go all the way inside, well, where is it coming from? Well, it look inside looks like nothing and nowhere, but it feels exquisite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's helping. My job is to help people see the invisible (laughs) to Mm -hmm. um, recognize the formless source of all formed experience. And in so doing, not just get it conceptually or believe in it, but actually experience it. And in so doing, automatically more of that superior intelligence and health just comes rushing into their consciousness and into their body and into their decision-making. And um, this shift happens until we, the words I tend to use is until a person gets grounded in it and it becomes their new normal. And they live in not just, oh, I'm at a new level now, and that would be good, but they live in a new level accessing this ever, ever beckoning vortex of consciousness and evolution and expansion and awakening. Um, that's an opportunity right in front of us in every moment. Mm-hmm. I love it. Because as we access more and more of this, it like integrates into our entire being and shifts. It's kind of uh, like you were talking about the vortex. It's an energy and it's shifting and um, embodying. But so 
describe what you mean by mind, consciousness, and thought. Because so consciousness might be a new word to some of the listeners. What do you mean by that? And what do you mean by mind? Okay. This is my version of our understanding of these three principles. And by our, I mean those of us who have um, been learning and experiencing these three principles now for, well, I was 30 and I'm almost 70 now. So it's 40 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. So universal, okay, first of all, principle, as principles, they're formless. My working definition of spiritual is real, but formless. So like, not quite of a perfect example, but the principle of gravity is here. You can't see it, you can't taste it, but you can see the effects of it, and you can feel the effects of it. Well, similarly, Mind, consciousness, and thought are a triunity. They're not separate, but we talk about the, the, them as three aspects of one principle or one singularity that's formless, but it's manifesting as all of formed human experience. So mind is the formless energy and intelligence of all things formed and formless. It's, it's the isness from the all, and you see language gets challenging. It's the yeah. isness from the allness that brings our personal allness to life. You could, in that, you know, call it mastermind, call it God. Um, I tend, well, I'll use those words. I don't know, because but that can trigger people's conditioned learning about those words. Well, and um, it's like a new context to understand. Yes. Yes. So, and consciousness is the part or the aspect of mind, the component of mind that brings experience to life. So you and I are putting our consciousness on this discussion together and we're experiencing it. Now, if I turned my consciousness away from this and got hungry and walked down to the fridge, I would experience that and not this discussion with you. And you can see how it, it, it also connects to thought there. Thought is the power of that in- universal intelligence to make choice and create a specific, specific form of experience. So I think I'm gonna go to the refrigerator or no, it's better to stay here and talk to Rachel. <laughs> you know, In this moment, um, yes. <laughs> so then I have a modicum of wisdom there <laughs> that I drew on. <laughs> so um, those three are combining, whether we know it or not, to create our experience of life. And they're manifesting as our personal mind, consciousness, and thought. So on some level, I'm usually not that conscious of, I'm drawing on those bigger powers, the power of life intelligence, the power to be have, have experience come to, to life, and the power to make choices and like a paintbrush, paint the picture. I'm going to do this with, with Rachel instead of sit at my refrigerator all day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those are seem operating seamlessly in each moment and manifesting from the inside out as our experience. And then we get caught thinking, oh, it's, it's 
this, uh, this world and this experience is being thrust on me. And now I've got to cope and I've got to struggle. I've got to try to change it or change me. And it's, it gets us all ensnared. And that's simply just, there's nothing wrong with it, with us, although it feels like it. It's simply not understanding, like metaphorically, oh, the earth isn't flat. There is a real experience of life, horizontal, that looks outside in, and we should consider it that. If that rock heading towards my head, um, if I don't move my head, I'm going to feel something I don't want to feel. But ultimately, realizing, no, it's inside out, helps me do my best and start over fresh and be creative and be optimistic and full of life and possibility because I've got this superior inside out power that's revealing itself to me as I live this horizontal aspect of living. And the more I realize it and live it, my experience on the horizontal gets healthier and better and better and better. So can I learn or evolve to a place where I can hold those two truths simultaneously and have it be as effortless and no conflict as knowing, well, the earth looks and feels flat right now, but it's really not. So three principles. I, I, I'll, I'll just repeat those. So they sound really simple, but I'm still looking into those after 40 years and getting more and more out of it. <laughs> yeah. Because, because the principle is formless, that means it's limitless. So the more I look, I learn how to actually go to mind or consciousness or thought. You go to any of them, you'll find the others. Not just my thinking about them, not just my concepts about them, but actually because it's formless and limitless, I get more and more and more. And how do I know? See, that's teaching myself and others to look into what appears to not, not be there, into the formless. How do I know? It's not my concept of the formless. Maybe we've all tried that along the way. You can feel it. You can, those of you who are listening to me, or us, mostly me going on and on here, I'm hoping there's a feeling to this that you can tell I'm not just trying to, I don't know, generate, that it's organic to the, the subject matter we're talking about and how we're coming together and listening. And, and it's, call it the feel of the ring of truth. That's how you know. And it's subtle, but the more you become conscious of it and want to become and you cultivate that and become more and more conscious, it's not so subtle. It becomes evident more and more if and ultimately all of the time and then you feel like you're home all the time because you are home all the time you're home within yourself in a world that keeps changing evolving and and informing you but it's a gift rather than an obstacle or a, a, you know that's victimizing you um I love that, Craig. Well, and that was a big shift. I mean, even before I 
heard it put in this context of the three principles was this shift from victim to creator. And it really transformed everything. Um, How I perceived things that had happened in the past, how I moved forward in my life more lightly and easily, less bogged down. Um, And then, you know, that truth of that part of you that there's, there's just nothing wrong with you on the, on the inside that that perfect beingness impermeates our being and our energy and we can radiate that in the world or we can radiate all our human stuff (laughs) right we can radiate the vertical in the horizontal or we can radiate just the horizontal (laughs) and wherever we're at in that and one thing click you clicked something there about when you said the word past you realize the more deeply you understand these principles the obvious truth when you look at it, that the past doesn't exist. So one of the great teachers in this said, the past does not exist, so you're forgiven. Existence, life itself has forgiven you and moved on and given you another fresh moment and another fresh moment and another fresh start. And it's only in our heads that we may still that we are creating any suffering we may still experience, but it's innocent. We don't know we're doing it until we realize we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So hearing this interview, discussions with someone who has this understanding, reading the materials, listening to the recorded materials can help trigger that and remind people of what they really already know, but don't know they know or have forgotten they know deep down. So it's really cool because I'm not, giving people anything they don't know. I'm just helping them uncover what they already know inside of them. And the best thing they can do for that is to get into an open mind and a listening mode and me too. And then we've already engineered our sessions for the optimal as they described it, that what they wanted out of our sessions and God, invariably it just opens up in that direction. Yeah. And so if someone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Is there kind of this like next step? Like now, well, now what? (laughs) Yes. Good question. Um, Well, um, soon I'm guessing we can give my contact information, but I want to recommend, um, you know, there's, When I got involved, it was, remember I said the first 25, roughly I'm thinking, maybe 50 at the most psychologists. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time, there was one sheet of paper written on this. Mm. Now there are so many books I don't even know anymore. There's PhD dissertations. There's all all kinds of stuff. Um, If you want to just Google uh, three principles, you'll find uh, some resources on that. But I usually recommend two books, paperback, easy to read. Um, Well, one is paperback, one is hardcover, and it's in audio that I'll mention here. Um, There's a book called The Enlightened Gardener, The Enlightened Gardener by Sidney Banks. Mm. And the reason I recommend that at the beginning is there's a couple of them. One is it introduces the three principles through a story rather than a psychology book. And, And I think a lot, if not most of my clients kind of like that idea versus here, read this psychology book, you know. Um, I liked that book. I read that after you told me about it. Uh Uh-huh. 
-hmm. And the author of that book, who's passed away now, but he, his story is an example of, you know, all of a sudden he realizes these principles kind of just out of the blue and it completely transforms him. And he starts sharing them with other people and their lives start transforming. So he's personally lived what he's portraying in that book. Mm-hmm. So that's one. The other book is um, a more recent one, which is kind of like a psychology book, but it's from this vertical perspective and it's called The Inside Out Revolution. The Inside Out Revolution by Michael Neal. And that's in paperback and audio. Um, and that is more of an expl- explanation rather than just an expression through a story. I'd recommend people start there with uh, one or both of those books. Cool. Thank you for sharing those. I'm excited to check out this Inside Out Revolution because I haven't read that one yet. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So if the, any listeners want to connect with you to learn more, uh, how would you like for them to do that? Um, the most direct, well, both of these will work. My email is uh, clpulsefus at msn.com, uh, com, and I'll uh, spell that. C for Craig, L like love, P like Peter, O, L, S like Sam, F like Frank, U, S, S. And I'm imagining you'll have that in print anyway on the podcast, right? Yep, Rachel? it'll be in the, the show notes. Okay, clpulsefus at msn.com. And then I've got a website at https colon forward slash forward slash. So you've all seen that, https colon forward slash forward slash, then craigpulsefus.wordpress.com. Awesome. So they can connect with you. And then I know you also do speaking and coaching and organizations. So if there's anyone listening who has the framework for that, where they're needing a speaker or a consultant, I know you're available for that too, right? Yes. Thank you. And although I, in some ways, went quite spiritual in this talk, I can speak <laughs> to people in groups where we don't, I don't use that kind of language much or at all. Um, it can be more psychological, or I can describe to them what psycho-spiritual means. And I've, and I've actually, for 30, 40 years, never had even an atheist object to my working definition of spiritual, which I gave earlier, was mm. the dimension of life that's real but formless. Because I can give examples and they'll go, well, yeah, of course. So, and I know you're, you've done like 40 plus years of meditation. Describe how that would fit in with this. Or is it a tool to uh, enhance? Well, let's schedule another interview. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I was in that final thought moment, Craig, and then I asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just say this, and it will maybe clarify why I don't give just a quick answer to that. Okay. I, um, this is an overgeneralization, but what I have seen since I began looking in my late teens, early 20s at meditation is that most, if not all, things out there called meditation, and we all know there's many, many, many versions of that out there, they're basically something you do to quiet your mind 
And then as your mind quiets, you get in touch with, with this nice, peaceful, or better and better feeling inside of yourself. And I would, given you, get, you understand this as I go further here in the next minute, and then I'll try to keep it short. But um, that I liken that to the horizontal now. I might not have done that in the past, but you're, you're doing something to create an outcome called peace, okay? I came across what I refer to as a meditation, but the person who offers it no longer does because it's so different from what I just described. And here's a simple way to just explain that. He said when I first heard about him, he was saying, I don't teach you something that you need to practice for four years or 40 years or even four lifetimes to have the experience you're looking for. He said, I'll put you in touch with that experience. I have a way to put your consciousness directly in touch with that. And then your practice is just learn to stay with it. Well, that totally was like, what? And, <laughs> and, I, and I was already doing a meditation that I really enjoyed and got a lot of benefits from, but I also was aware I was wanting to arrive at a certain kind of consciousness or experience that I wasn't. And I felt like I was getting closer, but I was never arriving. And he was saying, oh, no problem. I'll just help you arrive and then just learn to stay there. And I mm. thought, okay, I checked it out, you know, did my due diligence so it wasn't some weird cult or something. And uh, sure enough, that's how it works. So now, and I, I'm, I'm writing a, actually a, a series of four books, and this is going to be in the fourth book, on how it will take more explanation, but it's like the most effortless practice. Because usually with meditation practices, you have to make a discipline out of it and work at it. Where this is like, no, I sit down every day. I love to, the moment I sit down and put the um, techniques in place, I immediately, my consciousness goes inside even Right, right to that place where, ah, there it is again. And I just luxuriate in it. I soak it up. And when you do that, not only does that stick with you more and more in your life when you're not formally meditating, but the nature of this, med this meditation I do is such that you can do that at any moment. You can't, it, not just with formally practicing. So right now, as, as I've been with you and right now in this moment, there's a part of my consciousness aware of and feeling and letting itself being pulled in to that source and that experience I want to live in right now and right now and right now. And, and it's being enjoyed and goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And that deeper is unbelievable because it's not like well, someday you'll get deep enough to arrive. No, it felt to me like I arrived and now it's getting deeper. Oh my God, how can that be? But it is. Mm -hmm. So that Wonderful. changed my whole life. And then I thought, <laughs> geez, I can't take people back in their painful pasts and somehow act like that's going to, you know, help them. Yeah. This is a different way of helping, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cool. 
Any any other final thought you want to share? Well, just gratitude. I mean, I just love that yeah. you've given me the opportunity to do this. And uh, I hope some of your uh, listeners found value. And I certainly welcome any outreach at any point. Awesome. Gratitude to you too, Craig. Thank you so much for, for doing this and sharing these awesome kind of insights and principles and how we can access a more liberated state for ourselves. Well, my pleasure. Thanks, Rachel. You're welcome. Hey, Rev with Rachel listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's a pleasure to share these important life transforming and healing topics with you. As always, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. This is the EWN Podcast Network.